Hello, everybody. Uh, it's Ian and David from Kaizen Reporting. Um, just uh, to kick things off, just want to thank everybody who attended last week's um, Brexit and Reg Reporting uh, webinar. Uh, it was really well attended and we had so many questions that uh, we've had to put together this, this podcast to, to answer those that we didn't get to in the meeting. So thanks very much for everyone's participation. Um, as I said, we've got David here. Welcome to the podcast, David. Hello, Ian. Um, and uh, the questions that were left to be remain le that were left to be answered break down to really three categories. Um, question about questions around branches and reporting. Um, secondly, um, questions about where we think regulators might deviate over the coming months and years um, in terms of their um, regulatory obligations um, for firms and and also a question that came in around LEIs which is probably where we'll kick off very uh, um, interesting question raised around the LEIs and uh, the question is following Brexit should firms review their static data for reporting LEIs for example as there's been a large number of new legal entities set up as a result of Brexit Firms need to ensure they, they know exactly who they are trading with and this legal entity may change post-Brexit, which I think is a great, great question. We see a number of our clients um, who have created Brexit entities um, over a year or so ago and, um, and real volumes of trading will start going through that um, uh, despite a significant amount already, actually. Um, David, do you want to maybe just share your thoughts on, on, on Brexit and LEIs? Sure, yes, I think it's a great question. Of course, firms should constantly review their static data for reporting. An awful lot of the errors that we see in our quality assurance audits stem from incorrect or stale reference data. However, having said that, quite clearly with Brexit, a large number of new legal entities are going to be set up. So yes, it's absolutely essential that firms review their static data. Of course, they absolutely need to know who they're dealing with and make sure that's correctly reflected in their EMEA and MIFIA transaction reporting. Of course, that's also true for um, reportability as well. They need to know which instruments are reportable under the UK regime for MIFIA and which instruments are going to be reportable under the EU MIFIA regime. Brilliant. Thanks very much, David. Um, had a question directed to you by a name, actually, on the on the webinar. Said, uh, "Hello, David. We are a EU um, counterparty with no UK branches. We have agreed to continue legacy trades with UK counterparties. New trades being executed within their EU branches. In this case, will we have any reporting obligation to the FCA, or?" Do we continue to report to ESMA the daily valuations, cash collateral for legacy trades? In this scenario, are any of our trades going to be migrated to the FCA in short? So quite a lot of detail there, David. I don't know if you can uh, unpick that maybe step by step and, and give us your views. Yep. Thanks very much for that one, Ian. Yes, an awful lot going on in there. And a lot depends on where the commas are in the sentence and how you actually read that. So a huge amount uh, of confusion uh, can come about when, what, when you consider what is a UK entity and what is an EU. 
EU entity. So quite clearly, this is a, an EMEA question because it's talking about valuation and collateral reporting. Now, my interpretation of this question is that the clients interested on uh, their reporting for UK counterparties. So I think this is ruling out any UK entity with an EU branch. So the, they've agreed to continue the legacy reporting. So the trades have been migrated to a UK trade repository. So um, it won't be going to the FCA directly. It will be the trade repositories that we're talking about. And um, yes, if that's what they've agreed with their counterparty, they'll need to uh, report in the name of that UK uh, counterparty to a UK trade repository until those legacy trades reach their end of life. Of course, when it comes to EU trade repositories, they only have to report in their own name to an EU trade repository. That is, of course, unless it's an EU branch of a UK entity, in which case, if they've agreed to do so with their counterparty, they'll have to report those trades in the name of the UK company to the EU trade repository. So it's very important, this uh, element of, is it an EU branch or is it a UK firm operating only from the UK? Brilliant. Thanks very much, David. A lot of moving moving parts there and yeah. um, quite difficult to convey that uh, convey that verbally. It's almost you, you need a whiteboard up to, to go through those different scenarios. But but thank you to the uh, participant who emailed that that question in um, if they did want to discuss it in more detail and feel free to contact us. Um, another um, branch question um, and the example that we're looking at here is for a Dutch entity, is it possible that a Dutch entity with no UK branches to execute an OTC derivative transaction? An uh, example given is an FX swap with a UK counterparty. So that's the first question. Is it possible that a Dutch entity with no UK branches is able to execute an OTC derivative transaction, say an FX swap with a UK counterparty? Yeah, I think that's a question for the, the Dutch AFM there. So it, it's not really a, a reporting question. So as I understand it, uh, some member states allow their firms to deal with UK counterparties. Some may not do so. So that's one that they, they really need to get confirmation from the Dutch AFM. Brilliant. I think Let's say that the uh, the AFM did give permission. The question uh, that remains then is: is such a um, transaction to be reported to, to the reported to the FCA by the Dutch entity? Yeah, I, I don't um, see why they should be. So, no. uh, unless there's a, a delegated reporting obligation, or if it's MIFIA transaction reporting, if the Dutch entity has agreed to report. Uh, to to the FCA, then I see absolutely no obligation for the the Dutch firm to report to the FCA if it's MIFIA transaction reporting, or to a UK trade repository if we're talking about um, EMEA trade reporting or UK equivalent of uh, EMEA trade reporting. 
yeah, that makes that makes sense. And um, of course, with the myth here, the firms have to ask themselves why would they be reporting an FX swap? Uh, is it considered uh, an OTC derivative that's traded on a trading venue? And then again, we get into the question of UK thirds versus EU thirds. Yeah, which is a topic we covered um, quite quite a bit on 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 the, on the call itself. Um, if, uh, if if anybody wants to to follow up on that, um, I think the final area to 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 delve into is. Um, there were a number of questions from 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 different uh, participants that uh, really focused on what people quite quite probably quite rightly feel is that over time there'll be an inevitable divergence of um, of rules and of uh, and obligations thereof on on different firms. Um, a number of clients raising raising questions around. Whether ESMA and the FCA will will, di will will diverge on on core regulatory obligations and and what are the likely time scales, um, we had a question that came in about asking whether the FCA will publish an exempted share um, a short share share short selling obligation. Try saying that um, quickly, um, equivalent to the ESMA registration, and and whether there's a return of of a um, of a document that was probably very true to your heart, David, because I think you wrote most of it. Um, the UK Trump. So, um, so just just maybe if you could share some thoughts on 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 those topics, David. Yeah, sure. I mean, quite clearly, it's a, a massively political question. How far the UK will want to remain aligned with the EU. I, I personally would hope that they diverge in some way, and I, I hope that for the, the firm's sake. Uh, the FCA has committed to be a proportionate regulator. Hopefully it will only ask the data that it's uh, going to use. So when you look at both the regimes, I think there are probably some surplus fields, some additional complexity that's not really required. I mean, if we have a look at EMIR itself, I, I'm really, where do you start? But uh, I'm one of the things that I would uh, like to see changed is um, looking at the reporting of ETD trades. So we all know that the risk with an ETD is held at a position and indeed positions are reported. So why ask for the hundreds, potentially thousands, tens of thousands of trades that go into those positions in that contract against a particular client. I mean, that in itself potentially could uh, save the firms uh, a huge amount of money. So I think there's a, a great deal there with EMIA that um, you could look to simplify. When it comes to MIFIA, I mean, quite clearly, there's a lot of fields in there that help the regulators share data amongst themselves all those country of branch fields, for example, um, maybe the FCA will look at those and ask, do they really need them? An area that has caused firms a lot of problems is with corporate actions. Again, the FCA may look at that area and decide, well, are they really, uh, do they hold the potential for market abuse? Uh, the short selling re uh, regulation that you mentioned um, I haven't heard anything about the FCA creating its own um, register of um, exempt stocks from the short selling regulation, but perhaps an even more important question would be, 
do they still want to keep the short selling indicator? Does yeah. it offer them much in the way of market abuse uh, detection? Um, trading capacity, the way we treat swaps, etc. I think there's an awful lot in there that the FCA can look at uh, in the cold light of day and ask, do we really need this information for doing the job that we do? It is yeah. an interesting question on the, the TRUP as well, because I know a lot of firms have been slightly frustrated in not being able to get an answer on MIFIA reporting from the FCA. And of course, the FCA is bound by being part of um, the ESMA discussions. It can't come up with its own interpretations. So yes, there is the potential for a UK-style um, a document that can help firms. And I'd like to think that could be produced um, on a more frequent basis than, let's say, the guidelines can be. Definitely. Thanks for that, David. I think what, well, one question came in around a, quite a radical approach to mere reporting um, with, the, with, the recommend, with the idea that the FCA might drop the EMEA re reporting of listed derivatives and adopt the approach in the US where Dodd-Frank didn't require reporting because it relied on, on the exchanges. Um, and this, this does take me back because when, when I was at HSBC, myself and another bank led, uh, led um, an, an activity to try and persuade um, the Compton authorities in Europe and then ESMA to exclude listed derivatives. And ESMA actually wrote a letter to the Commission suggesting that it should be dropped because the exchanges were the right place to monitor the systemic risk. Um, and uh, for those that were involved in EMEA at that time, everybody thought that they weren't going to be included, only for us, uh, for Mr Barnier to, to write a letter at the 11th hour and say they were to be included. So that, that could definitely be an area of quite radical departure that would, would make sense and would be welcomed by by, by firms and I think regulators alike. Um, don't know what your thoughts are on that, David. Too, yeah, too radical or? Regulators have got to decide, or the UK have got to decide what they need to do to monitor for systemic risk. Yeah. And when you look at the derivatives, what is the key difference between OTC derivatives and ETDs? That distinction is becoming a little more grey as, as we progress. Yeah. So... Yeah. Yeah, I mean, that, that, that's something, I mean, I think they've got to get back to core principles. What do they need to, to get in order to monitor for systemic risk? Definitely. Brilliant. Okay, well, I think that's, um, that's covered the main points of the questions that came in. Um, David, thanks very much for your time, both on the, on the webinar and answering the questions that we've gone through today. Um, to all of those that attended, thanks again. Please do look out for... Um, upcoming uh, webinars, um, which we're looking to be running on a, on a regular basis uh, to cover a number of different topics that relate to firms reporting. Um, and in the meantime, please feel free to contact uh, contact us at, uh, at Kaizen Reporting uh, with any of your questions or queries. And uh, we look forward to speaking to you um, very soon. Many thanks.